It's Dominique Bomonte. You're listening to Season with Salt, the podcast, and this is episode 112, Ask Dama. Stay tuned. What's up? This is Dominique Bomonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. First, thank you for listening. Y'all be listening, and I appreciate that. This week's Ask Dabo is kind of fun because... I got some good questions, and um, I really want to have some guests come on my ass demo. So if you listen and you're like, oh, my gosh, I want to come and like dive into some of these questions with Dama, let's do that. I tried that with my little brother. It was cool. You guys listen. Thank you. Um, we have some good ones. So let's just jump right in, right? Um, here's my first one which is kind of cool, kind of fun. Um, I have a small business that I have had for seven years. I've never charged my family for my services, but decided that I needed to do that this year. My sister-in-law talked my brother into paying someone else more than I would have charged because she was mad that I was charging family members. I'm so upset. I want to counsel her, bleep, how can I share with my family that this hurt me? <sighs> well, this is a good question. And first of all, what we need to counsel is people getting used to receiving things for free. And let me just say that if you get anything that you don't have to pay for, get somebody a Starbucks card or send them a thank you note or something like that. Don't just take something from somebody. I think that that's really important. And I think that we have to build a culture where people say something or show some level of gratitude, especially when somebody is an entrepreneur. And that might result in, like, write me a recommendation on one of the entrepreneurial websites, uh, you know, Share with a friend an email or a business card or something like that. But don't just be taking stuff from people. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason why sometimes this happens is because we get into, like, taking care of our folks and they get used to what we provide. And they don't think about, you know, what it takes from you when they benefit from your services. So... Let's cancel the idea that we give things to people for free. If you have a family member, a loved one who is an entrepreneur, pour into that person's business in whatever way that you can, right? My brother is a barber. He's an entrepreneur. He's a magnificent barber. Anytime that I get the chance to promote what he's doing or, you know, share something on his page, or, you know, if he's promoting a haircut or something like that, that's important to me, uh, not just because I've benefited from free haircuts, 
but because I really honor his craft and his gifting, right? And he's my brother. So with regard to this situation, I think I would, um, I don't know all the details, but I think that whenever we're sort of changing culture around like expectations of our family members, we have to also always think about our approach, right? So when you were making this major change in the way that your family um, takes advantage of your business, you have to make sure that you present it in such a way that's not like you did the work and forgot to tell them that now you're charging and oh, here's an invoice. Because when you do stuff like that, then sister-in-laws certainly are gonna be the type to pay somebody else. Uh, I had a situation where um, somebody took some of my work um, and ended up paying somebody more for a partial job that I had done. Um, and I couldn't believe that the person took the money for something that somebody else created. And I was really, really, really upset with that because I thought that me and the person were close. You know, not uh, forgiving them, but... <laughs> um, the other thing is, is that sometimes, like, especially as your business, business expands, not all business is good business, right? And sometimes our family members and the people who love us, the people who are around us can be the most critical, um, difficult customers to have. And I think that sometimes people have to go elsewhere and pay more to realize what they take for granted um, you know, when their family members are, you know, in business. So I think that, you know, looking at your approach when you talk to your family about changing a price structure or providing something, uh, you know, at a cost that you previously provided for free, um, as far as the interpersonal relationship, I don't think you should talk to your sister-in-law. Um, I think you should talk to your brother, right? And just say, hey, you know, all these years, like, I've been, you know, providing this service to the family, and it really hurt my feelings that you all decided to go with a different entrepreneur or what have you, um, and I'm kind of, you know, thinking that through. And I think it's important to sort of ask what their perspective is, because I know, like, as a graphic designer, sometimes it's quicker to go with other people, or sometimes we're harder on our friends and our family than we are with other clients, right? Because we know how they work. And so we off the top can be rude or can, you know, I, I can see why some people in my family might go and get graphic design or other services that I provide from other people because sometimes it's not as easy to work with me and they know me the best. And of course, I don't treat my family members as customers in the same way that I treat, you know, like a stranger because context is everything with some people, right? There's some family members that you got to get the money up front from, right? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I think communication is key. I think you have to lower your expectations of people when it comes to paying. I think that if you're going to be considering your family members as customers, 
then you need to treat them as customers. Ask them how they feel about the services. Ask them what you feel that you can change. Ask them how they can sustain your business. You know, I think that those are important questions to ask because sometimes your family members will tell you some brutal truths, but other people are not obligated to tell you. And those people who are not obligated to tell you the truth about your business or the way that you work, they'll just go find somebody else. They don't have to line up and be like, actually, let me give you some feedback about how you how you work. So family members are good for that. And I think that, you know, if you're um, a, a young entrepreneur, you're somebody who's just started out in business, I think it's important to, to reflect on how you might engage a family member. And I think you can ask questions of them, like as a customer, you know, what would you do differently? You know, how can I support a customer better? I think using your family members for the total experience, I think is important. Um, and not just them benefiting from what you do, but you also benefiting from open and honest dialogue with somebody who loves you and wants to see you thrive, assuming that that's what family means. If that's not what family means, then you need to just re take a re just reconsider altogether. Like, why are you offering things for people for free? <laughs> right, like in general, especially if you have the expectation that you have expectations for them that they're not able to accommodate but you're not doing that you're charging now also think that like sometimes we need to have conversation with our family members around like i wasn't charging you but now i'm charging you and here's why my business has grown and developed my expenses have increased we're in a pandemic you know there are a lot of reasons why prices change services change like if you're if time is also money money is time right and so if I'm doing two and three jobs or two or three services for family members and loved ones, then it can become difficult. The other thing that family members tend to do is everybody that I'm related to is related to somebody else that I might not be related to, or they have friends that I don't have. And so it becomes a thing where it's like, well, my, well, my cousin or my brother or you know, my friend is is a graphic designer, like so. I ask him for the hookup. Well, no, <laughs> that, that's not. And one of the things I'm finding, you know, as I cultivate an, an identity as an entrepreneur, is that not. I think I said this already, but not all business is good business, right? Like, there's some clients that aren't there yet. They're not they're they're not they actually make it more difficult for you to thrive in, in in the work that you do and sometimes family members can can do that like as a graphic designer i need all the information up front and if my relationship with you um you know is difficult and you're not the type of person that gets things up front i'm frustrated like and i i spend a lot of time and stress being frustrated that's not ideal right um so I think that this is um, some good, you know, thinking that we have to do as we're developing our business around like, what's the give and take when we are helping clients that are related to us, right? Um, and I think articulating that clearly and concisely and upfront as much as possible, as often as possible uh, is important, so. Okay, let's see, what else? Um, here's our next question. 
My boyfriend and I are invited to a couple's trip at the last minute, replacing another couple. We are believers and many of the activities and accommodation and accommodations aren't things we do. We are required to pay up front for a bunch of things. We are used to, or we aren't sharing a room or drinking, but we really want to hang out with other couples who are doing so. Should we cancel or see if there are any concessions? Listen, I wouldn't put myself in any position where there is the possibility of discomfort. And I think that you have two options. I think um, option one is find a way to participate in the trip on your own terms, right? If you pay, if you have to pay up front for some things that you don't participate in, and that's helping the people who invited you and you want to go, then a part of the sacrifice that you might have to make is that you might pay up front for things that you aren't necessarily going to be doing. I've gone with friends to wine trips in Napa, and I knew that I wasn't going to be drinking any wine, but I also didn't want for somebody to have to recalculate how much it would cost for me to be there, right? And so I think that it takes a little bit of wisdom. I think the other piece is if you're just doing it for the sake of being around other couples, find another way to be around other couples. It does not have to be in a situation where you feel uncomfortable, where you're um, spending unnecessary resources, especially if you don't have those resources. So I would ask questions, right? I would, I would look at ways that um, I can work around, or I would just, you know, suck it up and pay for things that you don't necessarily participate in. Um, as a 20-something, um, I had a lot of friends that drank or that, you know, like to have a good time or like to go to restaurants, and I like to go to restaurants too, um, but when you're going to a restaurant with a big group and, and, and people are ordering beers and then at the end, or, or cocktails and at the end, they're like, oh yeah, let's just split the check, you know? All three ways, you might have to just pay for, <laughs> you know, something that you would not necessarily, um, you did not necessarily consume, but that's a sacrifice of going for a group. I would say on the other hand, especially if you're an event planner, you're facilitating something where you know that somebody's going to be a part of the group that's coming by themselves or that doesn't drink or that needs accommodations that are a little bit different from other people and you're the host, it's really your responsibility to look out for that person. Um, I had gone to um, a luncheon with like, well, I don't want to call it a luncheon, but I gone to lunch with a lot of close friends and there was a lot of drinking. There was a lot of like people just buying things, right? And I was sitting there like, I did not. <laughs> and I was thinking, it almost, it almost ruined my experience because I was really concerned about having to pay for something that I didn't partake in. And one of my friends like was really looking out for me and he covered the amount, he covered some amount that I would have had to cover without even telling me. And I really appreciated that because I was concerned about it because I feel like, especially if you're going out to eat with people who drink and do other things is that they will run up a tab that you cannot afford, right? You have to be careful with that. So. I think that's my admonition to, you know, kind of 
be wise, uh, think about ins and outs, think about how it impacts the resources that you have if you go on a trip, um, make your own accommodations if you need to. Um, don't put yourself in a situation where you feel like you have to compromise um, and enjoy yourself. And if you can't do it on that trip, create another trip on your own terms with people who are in similar positions as you. That's what I would do. Okay, uh, next question. I'm dating a woman who is perfect for me in just about every way. The only challenge is that I don't like weave. She changes her hairstyle almost weekly, and it's an adjustment for me. I want to ask if she could lay off the hair extensions. What is a safe way to do this? Quite frankly, there's probably no safe way, like unless you are really, really in love with someone and they constantly ask for your position or opinion. Um, I think it's really dangerous to get into um, you know, having unreasonable expectations for the way that a woman looks. I think sometimes it can be difficult because women have that expectation for men. I think you have to be careful. Um, I think that um, depending on where your relationship is, I do believe that you can have a conversation around, you know, how to accommodate each other and how to, um, you know, represent each other if your relationship is strong or you're in marriage or you're moving towards marriage you know how you want to be represented you know because there might be something about you that she doesn't like um but i also think that you have to consider like what what the changing of hairstyles represents to her right it could just be a level of freedom that she experiences like through being able to change her hair. She could have alopecia and you not know it. Uh, she could have bald spot. I mean, it could just be a, a, a lot of different things. Um, and I think it's really important um, to be thinking beyond just what your preference is because you don't wanna miss somebody that would be really good for you because they wear a wig and you don't think wigs are a good idea. I think if depending on the space and place of your relationship, if they're just wearing the wig just to wear a wig, then you're priming yourself to have that conversation, you know, as the relationship grows. But I would be very careful about uh, challenging a woman's hair choice just because you don't like a woman that does a certain thing. Um, but I do think it's entirely appropriate, especially within the context of a real relationship that's leading towards, you know, marriage or what have you, to have a preference about what, how your partner or spouse um, carries themselves or looks, especially if, you know, they're, they're a reflection or representation of you. And I don't think that that should be a one-way thing where only a man has expectations for the woman, but I think the woman should also have expectations for, for, for the men. I think hair is a hard thing. I think it's also important to consider like why it's okay to, you know, have a preference about a choice that a woman makes with her own body. And her body is inclusive of what grows out of her scalp or what she uses to replace what grows out of her scalp. So I think that there's some questions that you can ask. I think that, um, I think you should ask leading questions around the philosophy 
and how it makes her feel, you know, to be able to change hairstyles. And because it's somebody who changes hairstyles, you know, almost weekly is somebody who values what they look like, perhaps in a different way than you do. And I think that that's a discussion to, to, to be, that for me is a discussion to be had. Um, I also, you know, really, and I've had a lot of conversations with my married friends around, like, do you have the right to, you know, provide your spouse feedback about major changes that they make in their life as far as their appearance? Um, and it's a 50-50. Like, some people are like, absolutely yes. Other people are like, absolutely not. So it really depends on the context of your relationship, the strength of your relationship, the age and maturity of your relationship, whether this is a conversation that you can have with your significant other. And hopefully there are some opportunities for open communication. And hopefully that if she decides that, you know, her hair is her hair and that's how she wants to do it and she don't want no feedback and no input, Hopefully, you don't miss out on a good thing because of that, right? Because ultimately, people do make concessions, smaller concessions for people that they love and they and, and that they care about. Because I have friends that don't care about clothes at all, but I see them improving the way that they dress because it's important to somebody that they um, are with. So something to consider, food for thought, um, and... Um, just something to 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 kind of chew on, uh, and then also, I guess I already said that, but I just want to reiterate: thinking through what about someone's appearance, like makes you, like why you feel like that's something that you can have a preference for. And I think it's, it's just hard. It's just it's just really hard. I feel you because I don't. I'm not really a weave lover either. Um, I think for me, it's more like how it smells or like what it looks like or where we're going. You know, like I, I think there's a lot of things, but I could I, I have also dated people who were, were not in, in, too satisfied with some of the choices that I made physically. So pray about that thing. Make sure that you are <laughs> saying the right thing in the right way. Okay. This last one is actually um, pretty intense, but really good. Um, so I started dating this guy who was really wonderful. After dating for a few months, I noticed his behavior changing and him becoming disengaged. Come to find out his mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and he became her full-time caretaker on top of running his own business. He revealed to me that he was struggling also with severe depression. As we got closer, he opened up about it a little more. I helped him find a therapist to talk to and help him cope with some of the issues related to depression. After a few months, I noticed his disengaging again, found out that he was no longer in therapy and it was spiraling out of control again. He's now basically become a hermit and has shut down on everyone around him, except for anything that has to do with his business. His He's deceptive because when it comes to his business, he acts like everything is okay. But his social life is not existing because he's unwilling to deal with his problems. I care about him, but don't know how what to do next. Do I wait for him to come out of his depressional state 
or do I move on? How can I have a meaningful relationship with him and be supportive? When I read this, the first thought that I, that, that I first of all, um, I know the person that submitted the letter, so I'm saying this in context. When black women are just amazing. First of all, always caretaking for people. I was gonna say another word, but um, not an inappropriate word, but just one of my favorite words that I didn't say. Thanks. Um, black women are always caretaking. And I think that that's great, <laughs> right? Because if, if you're called to caretaking, but I think that what I would caution um, people from doing is feeling like they have to take care of people who are not taking full ownership of caring for themselves. And sometimes when people disengage from us, it's actually a gift that they are giving to us because they are essentially saying, you know what, I'm not in the place to really love you in the way that you deserve to be loved or commit to you in the way that you deserve to be committed to. And so I'm going to lay low. I'm going to lay back. Let them do that. You cannot be their psychologist and their girlfriend and their everything, right? Like people have to own their own mental health. And if you're not their therapist, you do not, right? Um, because if somebody does it in the courting phase or in the dating phase, then you re it's really hard to escape or get out of once you get married to that person, right? And so um, trying to make people be who they don't have the capacity to be is hard. The best gift that you can give to people who are going through stages and seasons of depression is really to empower them to care about their own mental health and to give them the tools and the tips and the resources to really um, encourage them, right? I don't think that it's okay um, to um, force yourself um, or force yourself onto them. Let them... Um, you know, let them be owners of their uh, uh, of their own stuff, and I think that it's also important not to put all of your eggs in one basket while somebody is on that journey, because waiting for somebody to do something can sometimes be a part of their anxiety or their depression, right? Because they don't have the capacity to like be the person that you want them to be. And they just feel a lot of pressure, right? And so sometimes you have to let people disengage. You have to let people disconnect when they are ready, and 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 it is God ordained. They will be back, right? 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, they will be back if it's meant to be. But it's not for us to be trying to make somebody be or do, or say or live in something that they don't have the capacity to, to, to live in. So I would say, you know, take care of yourself first. Guard your heart first. Think about what is important to you first. You've already extended the olive branch. You've already helped. You've already contributed more than the average person would contribute, right? And so take care of yourself as you are trying to be loved because even if they come out of it, like you still need to have your needs met. And some people will run you through a whole season of like catering to their needs. And then when they get free and they get out of counseling and out of therapy and whatever, 
like they out of you too. <laughs> they will leave you behind after they have healed to find somebody else that was not there with them during the healing process. Not fair, don't let it be you. All right. Thank you all so much for presenting these questions. Um, if anytime you want to share a question or you want to ask um, Dama something, um, I'd love to engage your question. You can email me um, at swsthepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to my website, seasonwithsaltpodcast.com and share a question. You can share a question on my Facebook page, Season With Salt Podcast. You can always go to Instagram, SWS Podcast, or Twitter, SWS The Podcast, and follow me. Again, thank you so much, and I look forward to engaging with you in the future. And remember that the Bible says that we should let our words be seasoned with salt so that we know how to answer every man. Have a good day. Season with soul, with soul, with soul.